Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're glad to have you with us today. And uh, welcome back, guys. It's good to, to be with you. Uh, this has here. really been an interesting time, a wonderful time. Um, we are drawing to a close here soon. Just to give everybody a heads up on what we're doing. We have two more weeks after today's uh, time together. Uh, today we're going to talk about the role of the church and evangelicalism. Uh, that may sound kind of boring, but wait till we get there. You're going to love it. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God, um, which this is what we're all about. And so uh, that's going to be uh, next Sunday. And then our final Sunday is Sunday, August 9. And uh, we're going to have a wrap up of, of our thoughts and it's a chance for you to ask questions. So you can go ahead and, and submit your questions. Go online to any of your churches, and there will be a place there for you to sign up and ask your question. And we'll address those questions on Sunday, August 9. And, um, and we're gonna fin- we've been talking about finishing that day with communion. Yeah. Uh, so all of our churches would, would do this together. We'll get more information out to everybody about how we'll do that together as three churches, and I, I think that's going to be wonderful and an incredible start to where God has, where he's going to take us down the road as three churches as we become uh, united together for the things that God has. Amen. Today, I want to get right to the subject. We've got a lot to cover in a short amount of time, which I know some of you think we don't do it in a short amount of time. <laughs> we can do so it. We're, we're just we got doing. this. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the church. Yeah. Uh, we're... we're we're church people. We we this is what we're about. This is the 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 organization that Jesus put together to change the world. So we need to understand uh, our role, and uh, we're getting into the thing. Everybody wants to know well, what do we do? What do we do? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that today and next week and the week after, and and uh, then we're going to go do things. So, um, Jeffrey. Uh, you, you've got a lot to share about this, and we'll just let you start this and just share some of your heart and give us sure. a place to launch today. Sure. Thank you, Pastor Greg. It's good to be with you and Dorian again. Um, I've enjoyed having these conversations. As Pastor Greg said, these next two weeks specifically, today and next week, we're going to be diving into what um, I feel like is a big part of these discussions. Um, obviously, the last several weeks we've been learning um, as much as we could um, in that amount of time in terms of racial um, issues in our country. But I love where we're landing. I love that we're landing on who are we as the church? Um, what is the gospel? What's our role in the church? How, do we, how are we part of the problem as carriers of the message of Jesus? And uh, I think this is so important, and it's so very much tied into this whole um, conversation around race. So I'm just going to open up by reading a scripture, and then um, we'll just dive off from there. But I'm going to be reading it out of the book of Jeremiah. It's in the Old Testament. Jeremiah obviously was a prophet of God to the people of Israel. And uh, Jeremiah, he did not have the greatest job description (laughs) as a prophet. Um, He is known as the weeping prophet. Um, because he ministered to God's people in a time in their history um, where they had long since departed from the heart of God. And God, despite his best efforts of uh, trying to get Israel to turn his heart to him, they just continued in their stubbornness. And so he finally has to 
um, send messages through his prophets, Jeremiah being one of the main ones during this time, that, okay, judgment is going to come. Not because I'm a vindictive judging God, mm -hmm. but because your very sin has now caused me to back my blessing off of what you're doing. And now you're going to suffer the very real consequences of that. And so Jeremiah is trying to get this message to God's people before it happens. And um, this is a powerful uh, passage in Jeremiah 7. I'm going to read about 11 or 12 verses here, starting at verse 1. It says, The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go to the entrance of the Lord's temple and give this message to the people. O Judah, listen to this message from the Lord. Listen to it, all of you who worship here. This is what the Lord of of heaven's armies the god of israel says so i'm gonna stop right there and just set this up he is giving this prophecy he's saying listen oh judah listen in other words people of god this message is not for sinners right this message is not for people that are outside of god's covenant that don't know who god is this is for god's people and yeah. he's given it at god's house the mm -hmm. temple mm -hmm. and he says even now if you quit your evil ways, I will let you stay in your own land. Even now, I love that. God's grace is like, even now, if you'll do this, I'll let you stay. But don't be fooled by those who promise you safety simply because the Lord's temple is here. They chant, the Lord's temple is here, the Lord's temple is here. But I will be merciful only if you stop your evil thoughts and deeds and start treating each other with justice. Mm. There's that word we've been talking about. Only if you stop exploiting foreigners, orphans and widows. Only if you stop your murdering. And only if you stop harming yourselves by worshiping idols. Then I will let you stay in this land that I gave to your ancestors to keep forever. Don't be fooled into thinking that you will never suffer because the temple is here. It's a lie. Do you really think you can steal, murder, commit adultery, lie, and burn incense to Baal and all those other new gods of yours. And then come here and stand before me in my temple and chant, we are safe. Mm. Only to go right back to all those evils again. Don't you yourselves admit that this temple, which bears my name, has become a den of thieves. Surely I see all the evil going on there. I, the Lord, have spoken. Mm. I mean, that moves me even right now emotionally because what's going on here, I'll just set this up very quickly and then we'll dive in, is the people of God had been living under this illusion by false prophets um, thinking that God's um, approval was upon them simply because the temple was still standing right. in Jerusalem. Right. So what he talks about, he says, don't. Don't listen to people that's just saying the temple of the Lord is here, the temple of the Lord is here. And what was going on in Israel was they were living any old way. They weren't doing what God had called them to do. They weren't um, living by justice. Uh, they were exploiting foreigners. They were exploiting orphans and widows. They were murdering. They were worshiping idols. We may have time to get into what idols are either today or next week. Um, and he says, but you still think you're okay because you see the temple and the form of your religion is still operating. Hmm. Wow. You can still come to the temple and you can still perform your ritual, your religious rituals. And you think because you're just going through the religious duty 
and my temple is here, that I'm with you. And what you fail to see is I've long left the temple. Wow. And you've put your faith and your trust in your religion, and you've put your faith and your trust in the forms, and you think because it's still there that I'm for you and that you don't have sin in your life. Hmm. And to me, this is so profound and so powerful, and, yeah. and, and I'll stop, but it's convicting to me. And I, I want my church to know this, that I, I, in these conversations, it probably can seem like you know we, we have them from this place of superiority or we're standing from outside of it and we're critiquing it like we've got all the answers. I very much put myself within this. Yeah. I've, I've tried my hardest, especially the last few weeks and months, to, to hear and listen for the voice of God. Because I think we in the American church, and I'm going to just, let's preface this here by saying, please hear what we say in context this week and next week, because we're going to talk. And it doesn't mean that we don't love our country. It doesn't mean that we are anti-American or un-American, but we are framing these conversations within the context of the people of God. And the people of God is way more broad than America or any country or any political party. Yeah. So hear what we're going to be saying, but but for me, I want to hear the voice of God because if we're not careful, we in the American church can trust so much in our Sunday routine, mm. coming and hearing my message and doing my duty and going back home, and we think because you know my life is okay, and we think because I go to church and I attend worship, and I do, that that's the equivalent of the temple in the Old Testament. And God said to his people there, and we have to be very careful because I've run across some of this in these conversations with people, you know, off camera, and I, I love them. But but it, it's almost like there are certain segments sometimes within the church that's like we need to be preaching to sinners as if sinners are outside our buildings. Right, right. <laughs> like God can't speak to his church. Yeah. God can't rebuke or call to repentance his church. As far as I can tell in the Bible, mm. This is what he did right here. He said, Jeremiah, get to the door of the temple. Go, you preach it to the temple. You preach it to the church. Yeah. That your heart has left my heart. Yeah. And I think this is a great opportunity for us to explore this conversation. What is the church and what's our responsibility? And could it be that we've trusted in um, our, our religious rituals of the pattern that we as you know, 21st century American Christians have got into, um, and and maybe it's a question: Have we missed the heart of God? Well, Dory, you can pray, and we can go home. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I love. I, I, I'm just as fired up as, as Jeffrey is. Uh, I love this conversation on on what is the church, and uh, you know, I think about even in the time that we we read in Scripture, in New Testament Scripture, in Old Testament Scripture. Um, and I think for believers, I think in our minds, we believe that there was like a Bible back then that they carried around. Like we have, you know, Bible right. apps and Bibles and, uh, -huh. uh, and that there were, there were, you know, churches set up where there was a sermon being preached and three songs being sung and a dismissal. And, and I kind of get it. It makes sense why we as believers, uh, we might get into this mindset of, Hey, pastor, you know, feed me, you know, feed me the word of God. I need to be fed. Um, it's because it has become a religious experience for us when in fact that's not at all what God intended it for it to be and not only that I think about I have two children uh, teenagers 16 and 15 year old and if 
if we don't share with our children and the next generation what this faith is really about, um, that their souls will be lost. And, and the opportunity for us to introduce them to Christ, to God, is we're missing that opportunity because God was not building a church based on religion, but based on truly on relationship. Yeah. And I love what, uh, Jeffrey, what you said about this message was to the church, a popular scripture that we quote, I think it's Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Um, if my people who are yeah. called by my name will humble themselves and pray that God is speaking to his people, that he's speaking to us as a church, not to the world, not to America, uh, but to the people who hear God. And so for us as a as a church, it is you know, we talk about what is the church? I truly believe it is the relationship that God established with his people yeah. and that God desired. Even when you look back to, to Exodus um, 25 and 8, and he said, build me a, a sanctuary so that I can dwell amongst the people mm -hmm. that God wants to be in relationship with us. And even as I you know, share with my, my son and my daughter, for me to get in front of them and just give them a bunch of religious principles and, you know, say if it looks good on the outside, it works, it's not going to stand. Yeah. It, it must be a relationship that is built on us coming to know God and through our coming to know God, then we're able to fulfill the purpose that God has called us to fulfill. So, and yeah. I love that uh, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, I could have been called it. I cry a lot. I cried <laughs> when I watched The Notebook. Yeah. I cried when I watched uh, Toy Story Part softy, 3 man, when they were, man. you know, when, when the boy had to give up this, the toys over. Um, I can cry at anything. Um, but I, I understand that because God's heart is for us and he yeah. wants to be in relationship with us. And I know we're, we're talking about um, racial reconciliation, restoration between um, uh, black people and white people. And some people may be saying, well, what does all this have to do with that? It's because if we truly enter into the relationship that God desires for us to have with him, then and only then can we have the relationship with each other that God desires for us to have. In John 13, 35, Jesus, God's word says that, that pe the people in the world will know him because yeah. we love one another. One another. Yeah. So this is why we are, we are at this point, and I'm so glad we're landing at this point too, because in order for us to come together as one race, as one body of believers, we must come into this relationship with God, which is the church. I have two comments to, to throw in with what you said, and then let's, let's head down, uh, not a different trail, but the culmination of what we're talking about. Number one is we've got more churches being planted in America today than any other time in our history. We have more huge churches in America than we've ever had in our history. And yet we are being less effective today yeah. with reaching people with the message of Christ than we've ever been before. So something is really screwed up mm -hmm. in, in, in terms of the local church. And those are hard numbers. You're not pulling that. No, the, mm -hmm. these are things I've studied for several years yeah. now, and it's, it's a mess. It's a disaster. Yeah. Uh, it, it's troubling. And uh, the second thing um, is, is this, that we, we don't realize... Uh, we get focused on certain things. We don't realize that Jeremiah is talking to us, that, that this scripture really has to do with us. I, I would say that, that if you would ask the white evangelical church today, what is the sin of America? They wouldn't say racism. 
it would be abortion, which mm -hmm. is a horrible, horrible sin. Mm -hmm. I propose that our problem started way before abortion and it started with racism in our country if if we can get this right yeah. if we can honor god in this one thing i believe that we can come together as the white church and the black church and see an incredible spiritual happening taking place in america related to abortion yeah now i know that sounds uh, totally unrelated but if you get two groups of people as powerful as the black church and the white church to come together mm -hmm. and, and to literally go after God we're going to see some changes in this country that we never imagined and that's my dream that's my hope yeah. um, so I want to I, I would just add one more thing yeah. and I promise I'll be brief no no it's okay <laughs> but because I think it segues right here I would just say according to Jeremiah 7 what we have to in order to do that as the church we have to understand and realize that what happened with Israel in Jeremiah 7, what God was saying to them was, the temple that you built for me is your idol. Wow. <clears throat> and you're saying the temple, the temple, and we're safe, the temple. You've long since lost the reality that it never was the temple. It was me, and I've left that. Mm -hmm. And you've made your temple... You've made your religion your idol. And I think the only way to get to where we're wanting to go is the church has to be humble enough to realize we have to turn the spotlight in. Hmm. And we have to understand that could it be that maybe some of the things that has made us comfortable and made us feel religious, could it be that we have made idols out of it? Hmm. And this might be a moment where God's saying, I want to tear it down. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, I, um, well, I'll get to something in just a moment that a yeah. friend of mine told me. Uh, let's um, let's talk about something that has been in the making for quite a while. The three of us have, have talked about this. We've been studying this. We, by the way, we we don't have this all figured out. So so we do these intense conversations, and I get more when I you know I get five or six emails from these guys every yeah. day. You got to see this. You got to read this. We got to talk about this. Uh, we're in this, and, and we're really studying. But one of the one of the great things that I've discovered was something that we call evangelicalism. Uh, it's you know the again we we take we have these things that that get termed you know right. such as evangelical, yeah. and they get co-opted, they get stolen by somebody. Yes. So the evangelical, the word evangelical has become a political word. It, it's actually a vote that you can, if you can get the evangelical vote, you thumbs up to you. That's, that's yeah. great, you know. Mm -hmm. They took this and they perverted it and turned it into something that it's not. But it is truly something that God has been doing behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. It started in the 40s and 50s. It really began to take hold in the 70s. And, and we see guys like John Perkins and Tom Skinner. We've been talking about Tom's presentation in, was it 1970? 1970. At, at the InterVarsity uh, Urbana Conference. It's like the most amazing sermon. If you heard it today, you can go online and Extremely get that. Relevant. If you heard it today, you'd think, oh my gosh, this just happened last week. Right. Yeah. And, and I think Tom's been dead since 93, 94, something like that. But mm. powerful message. But... But there has been this this black evangelicalism and mm -hmm. white evangelicalism 
that started in our country around 1940, 1950. These were people who sensed that God was really wanting us to learn Scripture, to know Jesus, and to share Jesus with others. Yeah. But we both, both of these, these uh, streams of, of thought were happening within context of race. Yeah. So the white evangelical has some things about it that, that were good. The black evangelical movement has some things that were really good. But we need each other yeah. to make it complete. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Evangelicalism has a couple of things that are very unique to just to evangelicalism in, in general. First of all, it's a born-again experience. In other words, it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where right. it all begins with us. It's the authority of Scripture. God's Word is God's Word. We live by this. It's our guide. It's, 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 what, we, it's what we're after. And then there's the idea of spreading the gospel. Yeah. So, so those are three things that I think both, both streams would say, yes, this is so important to us. But then there are some things that we, we have missed um, historically. The white evangelical movement has had a very deep problem with this. Uh, we've been taught Scripture. We embrace it. We invite Jesus into our lives, but then we privatize that gospel to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it becomes about us. And, and there has to, you know, if you keep taking in and getting fed all the time and you don't give out, you blow up. Yeah. You get yes. really fat, you, you get heart problems, and, and you die. Yeah. So, so we have a lot of unhealthy Christians who are being fed and being fed and being fed. We hear this all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me the word. And I, those are good things to say. Yeah. Sounds very spiritual. It's just that the, those things that we get are supposed to be given away. Right. They're supposed to go out into to the world around us. I have a, a, a black friend in, in Brooklyn that I think maybe we talked about about him, uh, James Robinson. He's a great brother. And and he, he sent me an email the other day, and here's what he said. He said, I could not, never understand how the white church could praise God and believe to be in covenant with him, then be silent against the inhumanity poured out on other humans in the same community of God. Mm. This is a guy who's been through a lot. Wow. And, and, he's, and he's not angry. In fact, we're great friends, and, and he loves me. He said, I just have never been able to understand wow. how we can see the world around us and go in and sing our songs and pray our prayers, listen to the, the sermons, the temple, and then walk out the <laughs> yeah. door and do nothing. Mm. And I think that's, that's, uh, that's a problem. But, I mean, I think that's a real thing for, for all of us is that until it hits home, we don't, we don't care. It, it, because it hasn't hit home yet, and yeah. um, it's just. By the way, it's, it's, we need to mention we just lost a cameraman. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he made it through. He made yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Wait, no, sorry. I'm sorry. It's all right. Yeah, what happened? Right. It was an earthquake. No, uh, but until it hit, until it hits home, um, I think that it's it's a truth for all of us, American or not, uh, but it's a sad truth. For believers because as followers of Jesus Christ we are not supposed to be focused on our own self-preservation more than we are on serving and loving others and that is supposed to be a signifier that, that distinguishes us 
from the rest of the world. And that the reason why I believe, you know, the white church or, or white Christians were able to walk out of worship services and out of the temple and not be affected by the things that were happening in the black community, it's because it didn't hit home. I mean, if you, even, if you think about, um, and I don't know all of the history, but I know well enough to say, if you think about in the, you know, 70s, 80s and 90s about the crack epidemic that took place uh, in uh, through urban and urban cities. And as a result of that, the, the government started a war on drugs that just further uh, made the, the problem even more than what it already was because people were being imprisoned uh, under situations and for crimes that really they needed help for, they didn't need to be imprisoned for. But then here in uh, the 2000s and in the last 15 or, or so years, we have what is referred to as an opioid epidemic that is is handled and looked at very differently yeah. and where you have uh, a, a predominantly uh, white younger generation that has fallen into uh, into this drug abuse and and are being treated instead of being locked up they're being sent to uh, mental health institutions and and because again it didn't hit home back in the 80s mm -hmm. and 90s but now it hits home and so you have corporate um, you know, organizations, you have money uh, from both sides of the aisle, Democratic and Republican sides that are saying, hey, we've got to stop this problem because yeah. because it hits home because, you know, I'm a senator, I'm a congressman, I'm a wealthy person and my child is suffering and struggling. Uh, again, that's a reality in America. I think what, it's a sad truth when it can be said about Christians and about believers is that we should never, I should never wait for something to hit home for it to become real in my family or real for my child, for me to then stand up and say, you know what, this should not be happening. Um, we should be not only speaking against this, against this, but acting and being supportive of, of the people that are helping to bring a solution. And and I, I certainly feel that way. Um, you know, being again a, a black father with a black son. Um, you know, seeing you know my son, he's getting bigger to me now. He's shoe size is bigger he's taller than me and now his hair is long and he braids his hair back and stuff like that and and i see him go out in public and i think about him seeing other uh black sons and black boys on on the news that um just because of how they look uh can be uh identified as a, as a problem and so before it, when I, when my son was a little boy i didn't think about these things but then as he's grown up for me personally it has hit home and so for us as Christians, we must not wait for something to just hit home for us to have a heart to be like Christ, to not only love, but as we talked about, Pastor Greg, to love in action, to demonstrate love so that we don't just wait for these things to take place in our own backyard. So, so I, I think we just need to stop right there for a moment. Yeah. Um, we should have been involved in this a long time ago, but I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I didn't. I, I consider myself fairly um, informed. Uh, you know, I, I read the papers. I, you know, do whatever. And yet, it wasn't until six weeks ago yeah. that I knew anything about the difference between crack cocaine in terms of, of incarcerations versus what everybody else was doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know. Yeah. I, I knew some people talking about having to talk with your, your, your children, how mm -hmm. to get stopped by a police officer. Yeah. I knew a little bit, nothing like I know today. Yeah. So why is that? And I, 
And so, so for those of you who say, yeah. hey, what do we do? What do we do? Yeah. Well, first of all, we've got to become friends yeah. and we've got to have conversation. Conversation. We don't yeah. know each other. Yeah. We have, we have isolated yeah. ourselves into our comfort, into our temples, into whatever it is we don't know. Yeah. yeah. When, when for many of us, George Floyd was just a point of unbelievable, horrible information. Yeah. It was just like, how could this? I got a text from, from one of my children. Have you seen this? Oh my gosh, I had no idea this was going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, be, why? Because we're not with each other. Yeah. And, and the thing about conversation, what I've learned, especially when we look at like Facebook and social media, is that we only have conversations with people that we care about. Yeah. And if you don't care about your brothers and sisters in Christ, you won't have conversations. Um, we might ask, I might say, hey, Jeffrey, how are you doing? And I really want you to say I'm fine. I don't want you to tell me how you're really doing, you know, just say <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. Good. Yeah, I'm good. You, know? you know, but when you really care about people, you stop and you have conversations. And I believe that that's a responsibility that we have as believers is to care about people. Yeah, and I think we, we end up in each other's homes and, yeah. and each other's lives and with each other's kids. And because we need to know. Yeah. We need to be. We need to be. Is, yeah. is, is, that's a great starting point. Yeah, great place to be. Let's let's move to to this evangelical river that we're trying to get to. The Tony Evans gives about five or six things that are are supposed to happen inside of this movement, and I think they're all good. The first couple we can probably just skim through to say this. We've and, already mentioned them, yeah. But but then we got to get to the yep. the ones that we don't really like to talk about too much biblical authority i i think that for the most part people understand hey this is our guide this is this is where we we live this is what this is where we get our information we don't want to to look at cultural things and address cultural things and get the bible to kind of you know come in around yeah. it yeah what we really need to do is set the pace through God's word. Yes. Or if there is a mm-hmm. cultural problem, we find out. And, and there, you know, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. So let's go in Scripture and find out where this happened before. And then here's what God did. Here's what he said. And I think we can, we can do that. We, ministry development is the, the second thing that Tony Evans brings up. He says that's any activity that meets the needs of people by Christians according to Scripture. And out of this, many great things can happen. And so, obviously, we need to have ministry development in our church that deals with people who are in need, yeah. people who are struggling. And it's a great topic. Um, evangelism and discipleship, I think we're all about, hey, let's reach people for Jesus. Let's carry out the Great Commission. Let's turn them into disciples. We're not going to argue uh, whether it's black or white, about the, typically about these three things. Here are the other three. So, so let's get into it. Racial reconciliation. I think one of you have already talked about this. This requires a huge amount of humility. I, I think we start there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just something, it's a heart thing. You can say, well, we've done this or we've done that or we, you know, whatever. We, we, we've all got the buzzwords to, to kill the idea of racial reconciliation. If it was that easy, it would be done. If it was a this you know a six week course we could take, it would right. be done. But this takes investment. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what is it, Matthew? 
Um, 5.16, he says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. In my opinion, for the white church, um, this is humility. It's listening. It's learning that leads to repentance. We have to repent. You can say, well, I, you know, I haven't hurt this person. I have I'll tell you where we dropped the ball. It, it's, it's what we haven't done. Yes. It's, it's what Sins I would call yeah, sin of omission, not, <laughs> not a sin that we committed. It's one that we, it's something we should have done that we didn't, didn't do. Yeah. We're going to talk about that in the book of James here soon. But, and then for the, for the black church, it involves forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that. That's, that's not something I can talk about. But I'll, I'll say this. Um, I want to be forgiven for, for anything that I've done and anything that the people around me have done. Yeah. I, I carry a, a weight with that, that I want to, I want to make sure I'm free to be a brother in Christ to the people around me, and especially to black brothers and sisters. I want to have the freedom to be friends, to get to know you, to love you, to, 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 to share the love of Jesus with you. So these are, these are kind of important things. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, this would be a great time for yeah. somebody to jump in. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. leave me hanging. Well, well, one of the things, so I was just, just on that point. Um, I think that it's it's great that you know we have this relationship, and I think when people watch this on camera, they don't fully understand you know the closeness that we have with each other, and then you know how do you start to have something like this? Yeah. Uh, and really, it's the love of Jesus Christ between um, white people and black people, and white the white church and the black church. When we talk about forgiveness, uh, we all have a responsibility for to forgive. And the Word of God says to you know to whom. You know, you know, much has been forgiven. Right. <laughs> We've been forgiven yeah. a lot, and we also are to forgive. And I think it's it's very important. And, and I don't see this happening here, and maybe it is happening in other churches. Is that um, the white church can't say to the black church, or a white uh, a Christian white person say to a Christian black person, "Hey, you need to forgive me. You need to forgive everything I've ever said and done." Um, that's not the way to go about it. Right. Forgiveness is something that has to come from the inside and, and from the heart. Um, but we do all have an obligation. We have a responsibility to do that because that's what Jesus did for us. Also, what happens when I begin to forgive, it's not me, it's not me releasing you if, if someone has offended me. It, I'm the one that's actually getting the release. I'm the one that's getting set free. As long as I hold a grudge against a person or against a group of people, then I'm the one that's being bound by me holding on to that unforgiveness. And, and the word of God says that unforgiveness is like bitterness in your bones. And so if I carry that unforgiveness, then it is literally eating away at my life. When I look at and you, Pastor Greg, or really any white person for that matter, but when I look at you, I don't see my oppressor. I don't see, you know, you are the one that's oppressing me and, you know, you have, a, you know, some work to do for us to get back on the right plane with each other. But I see my brother in Christ. And in order for us to get there as a black church, as, as a black community, it's going to come from heart work, inside work that God does in our hearts so that we can forgive and so that we can move to a place where not only you feel that freedom, but that where we also feel free because we're not bound by that grudge. Yeah. 
I think that's so important uh, because if we do look at ourselves as brothers, then families have difficult conversations. Yeah. And we also, if we're coming at it from the right perspective and place, reconciliation is always the goal in family because it's so important. Mm -hmm. But I think that, uh, which you've kind of taken us into the fifth point of evangelism, uh, evangelicalism is personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I I would say, especially for us as white brothers and sisters, um, because I can certainly speak to that reality way more so than I can the other, um, this idea of, and it keeps coming back up, but it, we have to have humility. Yeah. And it's hard when you are, again, a part of a people group that some of these issues have not affected personally. It has not hit home. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to defend yourself because you weren't a part of the quote-unquote problem, you know, back in the day. Whatever way that, you know, we want to approach it to term, in terms of defending ourselves. But if we could simply... You know, approach this with humility and and understand that while I wasn't maybe I wasn't around generations ago that started this whole snowball effect that's got us to where we are now but it is where we are and I have a personal responsibility and if we're not careful especially in the American church you know, we can get so prideful and we, we don't want to hear, I, I guess the, one of the big things is, Pastor Greg, you alluded to this, who's going to dictate the language and the discussion? What voice are we going to listen to? Is it scripture or is it, again, our forms? This is what Jeremiah was dealing with. Yeah. Um, because those people that Jeremiah prophesied that to in Jeremiah 7, they did not want to hear it. And my fear is that as the church wades into these conversations, um, there's a big significant portion of a population that they're ready. To, they don't want to hear it. Right. Mm-hmm. But God says to Israel, just because you don't want to hear it and just because you don't think it's you, don't think that I'm not going to get judgment on it. Mm-hmm. And he said, by the way, never forget, that's my house. That's not your house. Yeah. So who gets to dictate the language? Who gets to dictate the, the, the methods and the goal? Like, you've co-opted my house from me, is what God's saying right. to him. Yeah. Right. And he's like, I'm taking that back. And whether you agree with it or not, and whether you want to hear it or not. But I love the heart of God because in, what was it, in verse 3, he says, Even now, if you will stop, I'll let you stay. But you have to be willing to be humble and listen and turn and meet my brother and be a part of the solution and be humble enough to say, I repent mm. and I turn and not so stiff-necked. He called Israel stiff-necked all the right, time, right? right? And just, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to have this discussion. I don't want to listen to it. Let's move on. And let's act like nothing's happening. Well, I, I think that's, this is a pause <laughs> right here. Um, what you're saying is so true, and and from from where I sit as a old white guy, mm-hmm. right? I get to make a choice. Yeah, I can I can live my life 
just being an old white guy doing what I do and eventually you die, right? I can keep everything copacetic. I don't have to deal with anything. I can be safe. I can, you know, I'm a, I'm a businessman. I can go about my business, do my stuff, and live that way. Or I can take this giant step into a place that I really want to go to personally, which is to see the coming together of the black and white church. Now, we're going to talk about what that means next week, actually. It's, it's not what it sounds like. So it's, in other words, I don't think we're going to give away our cultures and our preferences in terms of our church services. Right. I'm talking about men and women coming together in the name of Jesus yes, and yeah. loving each other and you being friends. Uniformity. And yeah. I could live my whole life never going across that line and pretend that I'm doing something right. That's, that's not what I want. When I talk about being forgiven, I think what I'm, more than anything, what I'm saying is I want to be your brother. Yeah. I want to be a friend. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to move into this thing that I've missed mm -hmm. for so long. I grew up, you know, I, I, I remember desegregation in our school. That was a horrible, horrible time. I hurt so bad as just a young student in school when I watched this war. Of, I mean, it was horrible. And I, I guess from that day to this, that just left a, a, just a pain in my heart. And these are things that we all need to move from to something that God really wants us to do, to yeah, be. And, and so that's, that's the longing that's in my heart, yeah. is can we be together? Yeah. Can we be together? And the only way, you know, the only way we, everybody says, hey, what are we supposed to do now? What are, okay, so we listen, we learn, we cry. I mean, we, we, we've been doing that. We've, yeah. been, we've been watching, you talk about the movies. I, I've been reading things and, 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 and watching movies, and I'm like, man, I'm crying all the time right now it, because this entire world opened up to me that I somehow missed. Yeah. And, and I want to be part of an answer to this as much as I can. And, and so I think... Um, in our in our freedom, as as Christ followers, we need to become servants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you know, we need to serve this. Yeah. we need to serve this, this thing that God's doing. Yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I really feel led to just pray for um, all of our viewers uh, and for our churches uh, on this personal responsibility that we have. Let's do it. Move forward. Yeah. Why don't you do that now? Yeah, uh, Father God. We thank you for, for who you are. You love us, Father, and the fact that in all of your splendor and all of your majesty, that you desire to have relationship with us. And you desire to not only have relationship, but the kind of relationship that you have with us. You share, Father. You had rulership over all of creation, the heavens and the earth. But you loved us so much that you brought us into your family to share with us your rule. You said in your word in Psalm 115 and 16, 
that the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth I have given unto man. And Father God, it is in that same heart, that same heart of sharing and caring for one another, that we desire to walk in your path, God, that the things that you have given us, the blessings, the promises that you have given us to steward over, that we not just hoard them, that we not just keep them uh, to ourselves for self-preservation, but that we look outward just as you did, that we become, Lord God, the church, that we become the ex kaleo, the ecclesia, the outcalling, that we reach out beyond our comfort zones, that we take the personal responsibility to, to restore and to reconcile what has been lost. Father, we pray that we reach those who don't look like us, that, that are not from where we're from, and that we, we don't go into it with any uh, preconceived notions about what it's going to become, but we simply enter into that relationship the same way you entered into the relationship with us, that you love the world so much that you gave your best gift, you gave your only son, you demonstrated to us what love looks like. So help us to take on the same personal responsibility to demonstrate your love to our neighbors, to everyone in our lives. And we pray that we will not only have a desire to do so, but that we will act upon this desire. I pray this now for every viewer, for every member of Destiny Church, Life Ticket Church, and every member of City Hills Church, and anyone who watches this video, that we will be the demonstration of the love of Jesus Christ. And we pray this prayer now, and it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, there's one area left, but I think we ought to push it in the next week. Yeah. This is a good place to stop today. Um, I would encourage everybody to consider these things that we're talking about as we listen and learn and cry and we definitely need each other. We desperately need each other. We want to be the church that you... We don't want to be the church that Jeremiah was talking about. We want to be the church that is the one that Jesus gave everything for. And I think a great place to do that is taking responsibility personally to go make a difference in the world around us outside of our country. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Don't forget, if you have any questions, please let us know. We're going to try to take care of that in a couple of weeks. God bless you guys.